0: It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. And now, here's Eric we've been in 1941 for a long time. We are going to crest into 1942. I know it's, it's quite an, an amazing thing. We're going to make it to January 1st, 1942 uh, today. And it's sort of like a New Year's uh, party uh, for us as we enter this, uh, this new year with a very, very sizable, significant event. Just to give you a little backstory, uh, in 1941, we're in the middle of World War II, which started in late 1939, but in 1941, we have some major events that are taking place. One of the biggest is Germany is going to invade Russia in uh, June of 1941, and that is a surprise attack. And uh, Germany sort of held its cards close to its deck. It was in, a, um, it was in a, an agreement uh, with a non-aggression pact with Russia to say, hey, we will not fight you. You don't fight us. And so it was a total surprise, shocker, stab in the back, uh, offensive by Hitler against Stalin. And this is going to lead to a whole bunch of domino effects, because now Great Britain is really in a difficult situation because they have limited resources, but they need to share those resources with Russia. And it's sort of hard to call Russia even a friend. I mean, Russia, the, the USSR, the communists are not necessarily something that Great Britain, the United States really want to support, but if they don't and Hitler gains all of Russian territories, all of Russian oil fields, all of Russian uh, farmland, all of Russian timber, and all of Russian soldiers to fight on the Axis side, we have issues. And so as a result, they want to see Russia stable so that they can defeat uh, Nazi Germany. So what a what a tension. So that's in the middle of 1941. At the end of 1941, in December, on December 7th, 1941, a day that will live in infamy, as Roosevelt said, uh, we have the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and we have the declaration of war from the United States against uh, Japan, and then against Germany and against Italy. In other words, they're joining the war. They're part of the Allied forces, and we have drama. Churchill uh, is going to cross the Atlantic, which we've covered in in the past few messages, and he is going to have a personal face-to-face meeting with Roosevelt for quite a long stretch of time to map out the upcoming years of this battle together, how the United States and Great Britain can fight together. And that's going to lead to January 1st, 1941, which is going to be, an agreement is going to be made where what is it, like 25 nations? I don't know. I should have counted how many nations it was, but it's right around 25. Nations are going to come together and league together. It was called the Grand Alliance, what we know as the United Nations. And so we're going to see a movement of something that is going to shift history right here, okay? And in the midst of that, we're going to have the soul of Litvinov. So here's a guy named Litvinov. His name is Maxim Litvinov, or that's at least what he's known as. That's uh, sort of a... Uh, a pseudonym name, but that's what he's most known as, so that's what we'll call him. Uh, He was the People's Commissar of Foreign Affairs, which doesn't say a lot to us uh, who aren't uh, uh, from the Soviet Union, who had very unusual names for job positions. But in in summary, in 1939, which again, is gonna be the year in which the war is going to launch uh, in full effect, he was the second most powerful man in Soviet Russia outside of Joseph Stalin. So most of us have never heard of the guy. Uh, and that is because he is going to basically be moved to obscurity because he's going to be creating a problem for Soviet Russia. He, uh, Litvinov was a very close friend of Lenin, and he was, of course, second in command in all of Soviet Russia, an extremely powerful man. But there's a problem with Litvinov, and I'll see if you can see it on this next slide. Uh, it says Maxim Litvinov, a Jew. Uh-oh oh no, we have issues, because we're trying to negotiate an armistice, a peace agreement, a non-aggression pact with Germany. But Hitler will not talk with Litvinov. He will not deal with a Jew. So isn't it interesting? We have this tension, we have this communist Jew, (laughs) and he's going to become a key interesting player in this story. But, uh, Maxim Litvinov, a Jew, a very inconvenient fact when attempting to negotiate peace with Nazi Germany. And so Stalin craves peace. Oh, he likes Maxim Litvinov, but he wants peace for Russia and he does not want to aggravate Germany. He just wants to be left alone. He doesn't want to fight for Great Britain or France and he doesn't care what happens to the West. In fact, he's sort of excited to see them obliterated. But he doesn't want to lose his own homeland, his own power. So he's going to try and work out some kind of arrangement with Hitler. So he has to oust Litvinov. So May 3rd of 1939, remember, World War II is going to start at the end of uh, 1939. So in the spring season of 1939, Litvinov is out. And Molotov uh, is going to step into that position And that is a signal to Hitler that, hey, we want peace. In other words, we're willing to oust our Jew to make you happy. Now can you make us happy with a non-aggression pact? So Alexander Nekrich, who's a Russian historian, said it this way. The dismissal of Litvinov, whose Jewish ethnicity was viewed disfavorably by Nazi Germany, removed an obstacle to negotiations with Germany. Very simply put. The German-Soviet Non-Aggression Pact, which was August 23rd, 1939, right before Germany's going to invade Poland, and they actually have an agreement when Poland is invaded, it's going to be split in half, and Russia will get half of it, and Germany will get half of it. In other words, hey, let's, let's both share Poland. Uh, so even though it's completely unethical in a global sense uh, you know, for, for war uh, ethics to do this, you know, both of these evil parties are going to be like, yeah, let's let's share uh, our dinner tonight and that dinner will be Poland. Germany's invasion of Poland is what starts World War II. And so this is the non-aggression pact between the Germans and the Soviets is going to be a significant blow to the allies uh, because now they're going to lose the potential help and strength of Soviet Russia fighting with them against Nazi Germany. They're like, hey, we're out of this. We don't want to have anything to do with this. So, uh, when Mr. Litvinov uh, was asked why he was removed from office, this is just a, a fascinating quote. Uh, Maxim Litvinov says, Do you really think that I was the right person to sign a treaty with Hitler? Uh, and of course, the answer is rhetorical. He's a Jew. And he was the number one spokesman against fascism or against what Hitler was doing. Now, what he proposes as a replacement isn't something we would support, but it's interesting to think that he was very much anti-Hitler and anti-fascism. And so this guy is just the wrong guy to be doing the negotiating. So June 22nd of 1941, which was, you know, about six months before where we're at right now. We're going to see the great stab in the back. Germany is going to turn on Russia and stab it in the back. Operation Barbarossa. I have an entire message called Operation Redbeard in this series that you can listen to to get more background on that. But what's going to happen with Litvinov since May of uh, 1939 till now is he is going to sort of be gotten rid of. <laughs> He's such a powerful man that they're going to send him as an ambassador To the united states to work as a foreign ambassador for the soviet union so he's in washington dc when churchill arrives so we're at january 1st 1942 washington dc usa the making of the grand alliance the extraordinary uniting of nations now whatever you think of the united nations today okay because a lot of us have different snide remarks we could make about the united nations in its inception like what you see in its beginnings is actually really noble and it's basically to stand against hitler and nazism so and the the unhealthy immoral unethical actions of the japanese the italians and the germans it's like hey guys let's stand together let's bond together and let's fight for that which is right and healthy for all nations okay it's a good good concept right and uh, so I'm not going to stand against the concept, though I might have my disagreements with certain United Nations uh, actions. Uh, I, I understand the makeup of it. I understand the mindset of it. It's not a bad idea. Uh, Winston Churchill, the president was wheeled into me on the morning of January 1st. I got out of my bath and agreed to the draft. It's funny. Have you noticed that Winston Churchill in the last couple of messages, he do, he and Roosevelt do most of their work in bed, and now uh, Roosevelt's being wheeled into his room and he's in the bath. It's like, excuse me, do we need that much detail? <laughs> it's funny. in his memoirs. He's like talking about himself being in bed and in the bath. It's like, okay, I think a little too much information. Of course, some of you could say, you didn't have to add it in. Well, I don't know that, but that's part of the fascination of studying World War II. I got out of the bath, see, now I had to read it again, and, and agreed to the draft. The Declaration could not by itself win battles, but it set forth who we were and what we were fighting for. I like that line. The Declaration itself could not win battles. That's like doctrine in Christianity. You could agree to the doctrine, and, but, and it's important to. It's, a, it's important to understand what you believe and what you're about, but you still need to now do it. Later that day, Roosevelt's, I, Litvinov, and Sung, representing China, signed this majestic document in the president's study. It was left to the State Department to to collect the signatures of the remaining 22 nations. So what would that mean? 26 nations? I think that would be 26 nations then uh, would have signed it in the beginning. The important list of American guests. So now I want to just sort of create this ambiance in our understanding that this is a very significant event. The amount of noise in Roosevelt and Churchill's life right at this exact juncture is off the charts. They're trying to steer a massive ship. They're steering basically 26 nations, not just one, into a common bond to stand against this evil And so let's just imagine it's like a dinner party and we have Great Britain and Northern Ireland, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, uh, which is the USSR, uh, Soviet Russia, China, Australia, Belgium, Canada, Costa Rica, Cuba, Czechoslovakia, the Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Greece, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, India, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Nicaragua, Norway, Panama, Poland, South Africa, and Yugoslavia. So there's a lot of important people in this party. And... Roosevelt is going to single out one. In the midst of this hoopla, of signing this very significant document, listen to this line. With a lot of important things to do, who has time for the soul of Litvinov? Litvinov is not a healthy character. He has grown up under an atheistic, very strong atheistic, anti-God mentality. He's a communist. However, I mean, as a Jew, it's interesting because his heritage is actually Jehovah God. Isn't that an amazing thought? But he has lost all of that. Roosevelt, now, I don't even know what most of you are going to think about Roosevelt, okay? And oftentimes we look at Roosevelt through politically colored glasses. And, you know, so the politics of Roosevelt, you need to put it aside for a second. You know, his New Deal and the welfare system and things like that, that... Many of us have a conservative persuasion, you are like, oh, boo. However, I want you to just allow this scene to impact you. Okay, You have the president of the United States who has so much weight on his shoulders, he is going to see Litvinov at this little party, Okay, our little cocktail party uh, with all these nations. And it says, and this is Winston Churchill talking, he, Litvinov, was invited to luncheon with us in the president's room on purpose. So he's going to invite Litvinov into his room with Churchill on purpose. Now listen to this. Winston Churchill, this is in Winston Churchill's memoirs, not Roosevelt's. The president had a long talk with him alone about his soul and the dangers of hellfire. He is going to take a long talk while Churchill is waiting, while all these other guests are waiting, these important guests are waiting, and he is going to talk with Litvinov about his soul. He's going to talk with him about hellfire. He's sharing with him the gospel. Isn't that an amazing thought? I don't know what you think about Roosevelt, but you have to recognize as a Christian that knocks him up a few notches at least in your thinking patterns. That's a that's an amazing statement. The accounts which Mister Roosevelt gave us on several occasions of what he said to the Russian were impressive. Indeed, on one occasion, I promised Mister Roosevelt to recommend him for the position of Archbishop of Canterbury if he should lose the next presidential election. Litvinov. A communist, a leftist, a socialist, a Marxist, a friend of Lenin, a servant of Stalin. Boo! So what I'm giving you as far as a list is everything that would cause the most normal ally in this battle to separate from him. You know that there's a different lists that we could give in our modern day that would actually create a similar distancing. And if you're at that dinner party with 26 important guests, this is the one you don't really want to talk with. And yet, what you're going to see is a picture of Christ pursuing the one. And I'm very intrigued by this story. I mean, out of all, it's, in all of Winston Churchill's memoirs, this is like one line. And it stood out to me so starkly that I literally have built an entire message around it. And I did a study on Maxim Litvinov and all these things. Because it doesn't, it's not like the memoirs are about Maxim Litvinoff. It's like this one line was so startling to me. Litvinov, an undesirable friend. He's not wanted in his country. He's hated by Germany. I mean, hated. They want him dead. They want to exterminate him. Think about what Litvinov is. He's a communist, which if you were going to pick the two things that Hitler hates the most, it's going to be communists and Jews. And he is a communist Jew. Okay, so Litvinov is about as bad a character as you can get when it comes to uh, the Axis powers in, in Germany and Hitler. Okay, he wants... Uh, Litvinov dead. But then you take all the allies, and guess who in that room they do not want to hang out with? Who's the bad guy in that room? The communist. And so as a result, it doesn't matter matter where he goes, he's the outcast. This guy is the undesirable friend. He's Jewish, and he's a communist. Now, I want us just to pause right there and say, who is Jesus going to see in the room? And you just know the answer, Litvinov this man is precious. Litvinov, the soul most likely to be missed amidst the cacophony of war. There's so much noise. There's so much movement. There are people in this world right now that we're overlooking because we're busy. And in the midst of all this COVID-19, there are undesirables that just get left out. You know, we hear about the homeless living in the subways on, you know, in New York and we're like, oh, that's terrible. Does anyone ever think about their soul? Not their condition, not the fact that they're making an inconvenience for others, but what about their soul? And so as a result, we almost get too attuned to the disasters around us and the newsreel that is going on around us that we miss the soul of Litvinov. Litvinov, the symbol of the one that Jesus never overlooks. Litvinov, the communist Jew, the very thing Hitler was laboring with fiery vengeance to exterminate from this earth. Who is Jesus going to go and protect? It's going to be the Litvinov. Listen to this. Litvinov, the communist Jew, the very thing Roosevelt and Churchill are seeking to win for Christ and see converted into a Christian. So this is symbolic. You know, I'm not going to try and say that Churchill, who was a believer, who did, at what level? I can't support. Okay, I don't know. I know he believed the word of God was the word of God. I have quite an amazing quote about that. But at what level it engaged his life, I I can't tell you. Uh, At what level it engaged Roosevelt's life, I can't tell you. But in this story, they're significant. They're going to go out of their way to invite Litvinov into into Roosevelt's personal room. And whether or not Churchill had anything to do with the sharing of the gospel, he's supportive of it. You even see that. It's like, that was good. He spent a long time with Litvinov. He's even going to remember it all these years later. So in Luke 15, we're going to have this flow of parables. We're going to have three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son is typically what they're going to be called. But it's a symbol of Litvinov. The lost sheep, the shepherd leaving the 99. Roosevelt leaving the, the room full of important people to say, Litvinov, could I talk with you for a long while about your soul? Uh, President, uh, I am a communist. I don't believe that there's a God you should. (laughs) In other words, he's going to go out of his way to talk to the one guy that is the most unlikely to receive Christ. The communist? That guy doesn't even want to hear your message. And yet Roosevelt is going to go after the one. The lost coin, the owner rejoicing to find it. The lost son, the father waiting at the window with anticipation. Oh, that he would return. This is the attitude we have towards the Litvinov the story of Scripture. There's an illustration that I love when it's talking about uh, Elisha, and you have, it's it's two stories right next to each other. It's the axe head, and then you have the mountains full of horses and chariots of fire, okay? Now, many of us are familiar with the, the, both the stories, but oftentimes we don't see that they're right next to each other. Just like the Grand Alliance, January 1st, 1942, you have one of the most massive agreements that has ever taken place by 25, 26 nations, and then you have little Litvinov and his soul being pursued. Two stories right next to each other. And so the axe head, this guy, this prophet is chopping away, and he, his axe head goes flying off and lands in the Jordan River. It is the most obscure story, maybe in all of Scripture, because all of us could say, why are we listening to this? I mean, there's bigger fish to fry, God. Why is the Holy Spirit carrying along the writers to write this? And the prophet cries out and he goes, alas, master, my ax head, it was borrowed. And again, we're like not moved at all. We're like, okay, let's move on. Who cares about your ax head? Just go and buy another one for him. And so the prophet shows interest in the ax head. What is your need? And he throws in a stick, which is, of course, to me, symbolic of the cross. He throws in the stick and it causes the ax head to float. God is concerned about the smallest little accent in our lives. And then the next story is the nation of Syria. The army of Syria is surrounding Elijah and his servant. And the servant says, alas, master. Very similar statement. Alas, master. It was borrowed. Now it's alas, master. (laughs) Look at they're surrounding us. And uh, Elisha looks over. He's like, what's your problem? Don't you see? Don't you realize that those that are with us are greater than those that are against us? Lord, open my servant's eyes that he would see. And there's the mountains are full of horses and chariots of fire. And with one word, the prophet blinds the entire army. Okay, and if I were to ask you, which event is more valuable? Which event is more important? I mean, almost all of us are going to default to the blinding of the Syrian army. I mean, that's more impressive. Or is it? Are you sure that it's not more impressive that God would show attention that his cross would be applied to the smallest situations and the biggest. That the soul of Litvinov is never overlooked by our God. Which is more impressive? Think about that. To me, as an individual, I'm very happy the axehead story is there because that's me. Alas, Master, there is a soul in peril, and it, God could easily say, "Hey, there's plenty of those. You know, hey, I'll just do a general salvation, and you know, we'll catch a few in in the in the net here." but he cares about every single one, including Litvinov. And if he cares about Litvinov, he cares about me. In other words, when you see God's heart for Litvinov, it actually gives us at an individual level the courage, the understanding to know the heart of God. God sees this one man's soul in the midst of this worldwide crisis. The woman at the well, it's a Litvinov, guys. If you've ever studied the story, that's a Litvinov. The communist Jew, or, or wrong story, or I mean the adulterous Samaritan woman. Okay, now you have two strikes against you, communist Jew, right? I mean, that's that's not good. That's not going to look good on your resume. What's your ethnicity, um, <clears throat> Jewish? Uh, what's your uh, ideology, communism? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's not going to go over well. In, in Germany, you're thrown out, and in America, your your ideology is going to get you kicked out, okay? And so, I mean, we, we have issues. Well, if you're a Samaritan... You're a woman, and you're an adulterous woman. Whoa, wow, that's not going to go over well in the Jewish culture. And so uh, she's an unclean thing which the Jews despised, would not talk to, would not touch, and certainly would not seek to help. So most of us look at it that she's just a woman at the well, right? And Jesus is talking with her, and we're like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't be talking with women, right? Because that's the cultural thing. But we we fail to realize she's also a Samaritan, and she's also... An unclean Samaritan. So Samaritan unclean already, right? But then an unclean, unclean Samaritan. We're, we're dealing with someone that God should just overlook and keep walking. Keep walking, God. Keep keep walking. You know, that, that's, that's not the sort of thing you should be touching. So the Gospel of John, John 4, 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Roosevelt, I'm not a Christian. I've rejected this whole belief system that you stand for. How is it that I, a communist, would be being invited into your personal room to have you spend time with me and you would talk to me about my soul? Listen to this line in John 4.9. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Now this is... In Later in that same chapter, uh, in verses 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I love that line. I that speak to you am he. The woman then left her water pot. There's more that happens, okay? I'm, just, I'm cutting to the chase here. Went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, John 4.35, Jesus, in this context, I mean, the disciples are going to return. They have food now, and they're like, hey, do you want some food? And he goes, oh, I have food that others know not of. And they're like, what? And they're all confused. Uh, and in this context, they're going to recognize he just talked with a Samaritan woman, okay? I mean, this is totally not the way we do things around here. Litvinov? No, 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 no. He's a communist. You see, he's, he's the bad guy. And I know we need to ally with them to try and deal with the other bad guy, Hitler, but hey, let's keep our distance. He's an unclean thing. Instead, what you're going to see Jesus begin to talk about is the fact that the harvest fields are white. And what's he talking about? Samaria? Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, the gospel is going to come to the Jews, right? Not Samaria. Samaria, I mean, yeah, unclean. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And many of the Samaritans of that city, now we're all all the way down at verse 39. I, I jumped to this scripture on purpose. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. What did Jesus do? He picked the most unlikely messenger, chose her to represent his gospel. You see, when you see Roosevelt reach out to Litvinov, it shares something with us. When you see any of us reach out to the same in our culture, you know that we have our unclean people in, in the church? You know, we understand what is unclean and we understand what we should not be like. And so what we oftentimes as Christians interpret that to mean is that we should not talk with them. We should not associate with them. Instead, no, Just because we should not become like them does not mean that we don't have something to give to them to offer them life. And when they receive it, they become the greatest messengers because they understand the grace of God at a far more heightened level. Never underestimate the power of a Litvinov. Never underestimate the power of a woman at the well, that when you reach out to that woman that she will bring in other souls in a more amazing way than if it was just your average character. A Litvinoff is fairly special here. So William Booth, listen to this. And this is how we're going to finish today. It's sort of a meditation. When you come into a town, this was his advice to all of the Salvation Armyists that were traveling and going to different cities, different countries. He said, and this is a paraphrase because I couldn't find the exact quote on it, but hopefully it's, it's close at least. When you come into a town, find the most infamous sinner in that community and go after him. Well, that's a Jesus model right there. His transformation will preach the gospel to the people of that town with greater force and clarity than a thousand sermons. When you go after the soul of Litvinov, when you go after the soul of the lost son, when you go after the soul of the woman caught in adultery, when you go after the soul... Of the woman at the well, when you go after the soul of the most infamous sinner, God will leverage that movement of grace in such a powerful way And the Salvation Army, which are probably in history one of the greatest experts of how this works. I mean, they had, what was it, like 280,000 people come to Christ in the first like three to five years of what they were doing. I mean, that's just massive amounts of people, right? They obviously know what they're talking about. Go into that town, and look for the Litvinov. So today for all of us, let's just remember the Litvinov. Let's remember the one that God has his eye on. Not the one that is just attractive to us, that is most like us, that is most similar to us in ideology, that is most similar to us in ethnicity. (laughs) Let's look for the one that God is after. Let's be sensitive to the Spirit of God today and remember the soul of Litvinov. Father, I pray that you would drive this message, this idea, deep into our soul. This is your idea. This is what you came and did. You came to seek and to save that which is lost. So please, Lord Jesus, invite us into that work. Show us the Litvinovs today. We trust you and love you. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener supported production of Ellerslie discipleship training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8:15 a.m. and weekends at 9:15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.